Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians today, and we're going to... My plan is, is we're going to be wrapping up our look on forgiveness here this week. Uh, we'll, we'll see, you know, that, that's the plan as of now. We'll see how that goes for the rest of the week. Uh, but we're going to talk about our debt being canceled. Throughout this time, throughout this look at forgiveness and total biblical forgiveness, we've looked at forgiving others. We've looked at forgiving ourselves. We've looked at forgiving God of our perceived wrongs in our lives. And we've looked at mercy and the role of forgiveness. And, and this may very well be, uh, at the heart of everything, one of the most challenging concepts that we have in forgiving uh, those around us. Not only forgiving uh, the people that we do things with on a frequent basis, but doing, you know, forgiving people in our past uh, for previous hurts, all of that. We're going to take a look at debt cancellation this morning. And if you ever, one of the things that kind of grieved me throughout this week, if you ever kind of want to see, in my opinion, the uh, kind of the state of the American church, just Google search debt cancellation in a church perspective. And you have to go to like five or six pages deep in Google before it actually starts addressing things of the spiritual nature. Because most everything you see from videos to articles to uh, anything written, blogs, is about supernatural finance, financial debt cancellation. Send in your letter, send in your debt, we'll pray over them. God will supernaturally forgive that debt. And while that's within the realm of possibility uh, that God can forgive that debt, I'm glad that there is a deeper level of debt cancellation that God has in our lives. And that's what we're going to be reading about this morning out of Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 13 and 14. You can follow along on the screens with me, or you can follow along in your Bibles as well. Colossians 2, starting with verse 13. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Pray with me this morning really quickly. Father, thank you um, for this passage. Thank you for this truth in your scripture that God that states that in Christ that you have forgiven us. But God, part of that forgiveness is not just saying that I forgive you. And we see that it says that you have canceled our debts. You've canceled what we've owed you and what we continue to owe you. And God, I pray that you would open our hearts this morning. I pray that uh, you would speak through me, that your truth, your word would be delivered, inspired by Holy Spirit using my voice. I pray for those that are listening to this message, that God, that you would open their hearts to receive what you want to say to them today. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. So three areas that I want to talk to you about this morning. And the three areas are this. I want us to talk about our debt to God. I want to talk about the debt of others to us. 
And then I want to talk about a legacy of forgiveness this morning. So we see here, we read in Colossians this fantastic news that in Christ, not only has He forgiven us of our sins, but as verse 14 says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. He has canceled the debt of what we, have, what we owe Him. From a spiritual standpoint, this is an amazing concept because what we understand is this, is when we come to Jesus Christ, when we surrender our hearts, we respond to His calling for salvation in our lives, then He not only forgives us when we repent, but He cancels the debt that we owe Him. My question to you this morning is this, how many of you ceased sinning at that moment? Like your life was sinful all the way up to this point of salvation. And then you called upon the name of the Lord. He forgave you. He canceled your debts. You repented and you have lived sin free ever since. Yeah, no, no. And if you're in here and you think you have, we'll have an invitation later. You can come and repent. But we all stand in need of forgiveness. Not only once, but I need to be forgiven each and every day. Because it is impossible for you and I to live without accruing more and more debt to God. So to think that this salvation, this forgiveness, this debt cancellation from a spiritual and a sin forgiveness standpoint only happens once and then ceases, we have fooled ourselves. We've believed a lie. Because you and I stand in need each and every day for God to forgive us again and for Him to cancel another debt. And I kind of want if, to, if, I just want to give us a look from a biblical perspective that if we were to not accrue any more debt, if we were to live debt-free to God for the rest of our lives, here's some things that you would have to do according to the Bible. To get no additional debt, according to Exodus 20, verse 3, then your love for God would have to transcend all other desires. Like, not even moments of desires. Like, there's never a time that you would put your selfish desires above what God wanted for you. There's never a time that you would put your spouse above what God wanted for you. There's never a time that you would put your children above what God wanted for you. There's never a time that you would put your job above what God wanted for you. There would never be a time that your desires of the flesh would ever take a higher place than your desire for what God wants for you. If you can live that way, then you're one step closer to not getting back into debt. The next step, according to Psalm 48, is that you will always delight in His will, no matter how difficult it may be. Oh, Lord, thank you for this dark time in my life that you're using to mold and shape me. I love it here in this desert. Thank you. If we're not going to accrue any more debt, then we're always going to delight in his will. Anybody? Anybody? No. Okay. Let's go to the next one. 1 Corinthians 10.31. You glorify God first in everything. Again, on the surface, okay, I, I, I glorify God. 
Do you glorify God in your attitude all the time? Do you glorify God in your relationships all the time? Do you glorify God on social media all the time? Do you glorify God in your finances all the time? Yeah, me neither. Next, you view every situation as working for good first. Romans 8, 28. So no matter how bad the situation is, the first thing that you do is that you look at it and go, God's working this for good. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is miserable, but he's working it for good. And you know the old classic example of the preachers use, you know, it's like you get up in the middle of the night, you stump your toe on the way to the bathroom. and <laughs> Hallelujah, right? He's working all things for good. The next thing. These next three are going to be from 1 Corinthians 13. You will not gain additional debt if you always love others as you love yourself. I love me some me sometimes. All right? And I don't always love you like I love me some me because I'm out after me first. But if we're not going to accrue any more debt, then we have to always love others as we love ourselves. The next thing, that you always have a genuine interest in the welfare and well-being of others. And see, this isn't real difficult in our like immediate family circles, is it? Like the people that we really, really care about deeply, that, that's true. What about the people who disagree with you? What about the people that you have a hard time? with what about those people you just flat out don't like i I hope other people have those like listen i love you because i want to go to heaven i do not like you but i love you i don't know if it works that way but that's the attitude we have sometimes right the next one is that you always honor others by forgiving them and not resenting them. Love keeps no records of wrongs, right? I fail miserably at each and every one of these. Miserably. So here's the thing. You and I stand in need of God's forgiveness and His counseling our debts each and every day. And this list could go on much further than this. But this is just a sampling of some of the things that you and I fail at miserably on a regular basis that should prove to us the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ even more in our lives because not only was he willing to forgive a lifetime of sin and iniquity upon the moment that we surrendered our heart to him each and every day since then he has been willing to forgive and cancel the debt of the sin that you and i continue to blunder ourselves into because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god amen let me just, if, if we could amend that just a little bit. All continue to sin and fall short of the glory of God. 
So I wanted to lay this foundation is that we owe a debt to God. No matter if it's been, Billy, 44 years? Is that what you said? No matter if it's 44 years, no matter if it's four years, no matter if it's four months, four days, four minutes, we all owe a debt to God on a continuous basis that we could never, ever hope to pay. So understand that's who we are. That's where we stand. That without the grace of God, you and I would have zero hope for an eternity in heaven. So now let's go off that happy note and let's look at the perceived debt of others to us. There's a couple passages here when we're starting to look at the debt of others. And and I'm not going to take the time to read them. I'm just going to reference them. Matthew 6 and Matthew 18. Both of these, Jesus talks about Matthew 6, about the, uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And forgive us our, as we forgive those, as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Matthew 18 goes on to talk about this king who has this servant that's so indebted to him that he owes billions of dollars. Yes, be with a billion. And he goes to the king and he has these, this story about, oh, here's what's happened. I can't repay it. Please have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. Please have mercy on me. And the king forgives him his debt. And he goes out. And there's somebody else who owes him just like pennies on the dollar compared to that. And he refuses to forgive that person. King gets word of it. And is absolutely livid. We, we look at that and we go, well, that's That's ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's a little extreme right there. It's a little much, don't you think? I mean, look at all you've been forgiven for, and now you're not, I mean, you know, that, that clicks in our head. It's like this dude was just forgiven like billions of dollars, had a debt canceled for him, and now he's, he, the guy owes him a nickel, and, and he's wanting to bring suit against him, bring charges against him. That's ridiculous. That's true, it is. But do you know in, in our lives that we have been forgiven billions when it comes to our sin nature, but yet when we walk in unforgiveness for someone else in our lives, then we are holding them accountable for a nickel. When we hold bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart, then we have just put ourselves in the place of that wicked person who owed the king money. Because there is no way, hear, hear me clearly this morning, there is no person in here who a wrong in your life a hurt in your life from someone else there is no one in here that that even comes close to equaling the sin and iniquity that the lord has forgiven in your past we all stand the best person that we could possibly be still has a debt that is owed that christ has forgiven through his sacrifice on calvary that that we could never look at someone and go, 
you said you didn't like my haircut. All four of them said you didn't like it. I'm offended now. And I know that there's more serious things than that. But there is no hurt. There's no debt. There is no offense that could even come close to equaling what Christ has already forgiven us for. But yet we have this, this tendency to hang on to these things, these hurts, these, these scars, these wounds that people have caused in our life. And, and we have difficulty forgiving. And I know I ask you this at the beginning of this series, but we have difficulty forgiving, don't we? I mean, I, I, surely I can't be the only one. We, we have difficulty forgiving. And then even when we hear messages that challenge us and you're saying, I'm going to forgive them today. And you forgive them today and you feel great today and then you wake up tomorrow and you think about them and guess what you have to do again? You've got to forgive them again. And then you wake up the next day and maybe you see them. Oh Lord, Jesus give me strength. And you've got to forgive them again. When we look at a day-by-day -day forgiveness of others, we have to understand that that is no different than what Christ has to do for us. Day by day, there's a forgiveness. There's a debt canceling from Him to us that we do not deserve of a debt that we could never repay. So I want to leave us with this. I want us to leave with a look at... Um, the legacy of forgiveness. Because when we think about, we started this with Luke 23, 34. Right? We started this whole thing with Luke 23, 34 of Jesus' statement on the cross of saying, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. There was no apology there. There was no repentance there. They, they did not come to Him on the cross and say, Jesus, forgive us. Because, I mean, here we, this situation, like Jesus is on the cross, and when the Romans would crucify someone, they would put a placard at the top of the cross that would proclaim their crimes to let everyone know what they were being crucified for. You remember what Jesus' placard on top of the cross said? King of the Jews. You see, He was proclaiming to be King. He was proclaiming to be God. He was saying that I am. And to the Romans, that was a place that was held for their king. That deity claim was for Caesar. That was for their ruler. And Jesus was charged with that. So here he hangs upon a cross, guilty, innocent. Guilty, not innocent, not guilty. Words, hard sometimes. He hangs on a cross, innocent, but being punished as a guilty man. Someone who has been beaten, who has been spat upon, who has been mocked, who has been ridiculed, who has been tortured. He hangs there. Has the capability of calling down all of heaven and its vengeance to receive a physical justice here on this earth as never before seen. But yet what choice does he make? He says that I will forgive them. You see, when we start looking at the debt of others to us, we have two options. We have two choices. Number one, we can choose to make them pay for what they've done. 
We can choose to make them pay for what they've done. Now listen, I'm not going to lie to you. At first, when we begin to make them pay for what we've done, that feels good. Because we kind of do it in, in these ways. We talk about them. We gossip about them. We tell everybody else what they've done. We run their, their name and their reputation through the dirt. And, and then if we, if we want to go a little bit more passive-aggressive about it, then we put distance in a relationship. We give them the cold shoulder. We give them the silent treatment. You see, whenever somebody's offended us and we want them to pay back that debt, when, when we refuse to cancel that debt and we want them to pay it in our lives, that feels good at the beginning. But over time what you find is that you wind up paying a greater amount of debt and you pay a much higher price than what they ever will. Because so many times, the person that you're holding unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart towards has no idea that you're upset, but yet you're living in bondage and in a prison that you will not release yourself from. So again, this one, making them repay their debt, that feels good initially. But at, over the long term, you pay a higher price than what they ever owed you. And then the other option is that you can forgive them and cancel their debt. Transparent statement here. This one's not as fun immediately. This one's not as fun. The flesh gets no pleasure out of this one. But those are our options. Because long term, releasing that person, forgiving that offense, canceling that debt, frees us. Legacy of forgiveness. Now I want to I read the Colossians passage again. Just verse 14 here. By canceling the record of debt... I want to I show you the, the Greek word for this here. It's exalepho. Exalepho for this statement of canceling the record of debt. Ex meaning out, and alepho meaning to wipe or to besmear. This is the same phrasing that's used out of the passage of Revelation that Troy read to us at the beginning, that it said that he would wipe away every tear. Now, a cultural example of this process, there's a couple of them, whitewashing, painting over something, but one that really stood out to me back in, in this culture at this time, what they would do is if they would have a scribe or someone that was, that was transferring a record or writing something down, and if they would do it wrong or if they would have a different word that they wanted, any time that they would have to make a correction or any time that they would have to write over something, this would be the process that they would go through. They would use compounds and they would use things until that, whatever, if it was written on papyrus, whether it was written on, on a skin, whatever material it was used at that point, they would use this until there was no record of that mistake. They would completely and totally erase it and wipe it out. And here in Colossians, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae telling them that he has canceled the debt. He has wiped our debt clean. Now understand something. Whenever they would do this process, it wasn't that they were making it as to if it never happened. But what they were doing is they were changing the narrative. 
They were changing the story. And that's exactly the same thing that God does with us. It's not that our sins never happened. It's just that the fact that we had a Savior that went back and wiped it away and changed the story. It's not that we still do no, we, we no longer sin. It's not the fact that we live such holy lives that, that our story now becomes different. It is the fact that we still have a forgiving and a debt-canceling Savior who is willing to say, I'm willing to wipe that clean and change your story. Because you once were mastered by your flesh. You were, once were sin-filled, and, and that was your nature. And you were destined for an, for an eternity, departing, departing from me and being completely removed from my presence. But yet I went back through my blood, through my sacrifice, through my love, through my grace. When you repent, when you surrender yourself to me, I go back and I change your story. And now here's where the legacy really kicks in in our lives. If we, as sons and daughters of God, are to truly live in complete biblical forgiveness, then we are called to cancel the debt of others in our lives. We're not only called to forgive, but we're called to change the story called to change the narrative doesn't mean it never happened doesn't mean that it goes and flitters out of our mind and we never think about it or never remember it ever again but what it does mean is that i'm not going to take that mistake that that person made or that perceived mistake and i'm no longer going to hold it against them i'm not i'm not going to allow this to be the rest of the narrative of this person's story in my life. I'm going to release this person. I'm going to cancel the debt. And I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And then I'm going to do it again the next day. And as many times as it takes, I'm choosing. I'm making that choice to forgive them, to set them free, to cancel the debt that I feel that they owe me. I want to ask the praise team if they would to come this morning. One of the passages that still just, just impacts me so much is when Jesus was teaching and he said that if you come to the altar to sacrifice to the Lord, but you have awed against your brother, then you need to lay the sacrifice down. You need to go make things right and then come back and offer it to the Lord. Folks, our horizontal relationship with each other always affects our vertical relationship with God. If we're harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in our hearts, if we're not willing to cancel that debt to change, help change that story of others in our lives, then that our vertical relationship with God is not going to be as strong as it needs to be. So this morning I'm going to give you about 10 seconds 
And I'm just going to ask us to sit in silence, and I want you to think of one person, one situation, one circumstance, whether it's present or past. And I want you to think about that person or that situation and ask God to help you to cancel that debt. Father, I ask You right now that as each of us have been challenged to think of a situation, a circumstance, a person, an event, God, that is either causing presently or has caused pain and hurt in our lives, God, I pray that You help us, give us strength to forgive those, to forgive others, to forgive their debts, to cancel it out, to help to wipe that clean and to at least change that situation or that person's story as far as our life is concerned. God, I pray that we would see first so clearly how much we stand in need of forgiveness and just how faithful that you are to cancel our debts. And God, allow your Holy Spirit to rise within us to give us strength to be able to do the same to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.